Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. Hello, welcome to the Wobizzle podcast for female freelancers and solopreneurs. I'm Michelle. And I'm Melissa. And we're here to help you thrive in a career where you set the terms. Let's get started. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of the Wobizzle Podcast, The Minimalist Guide to Managing Your Social Media. Social media, yes. And we've got a guest this time. For the very first time, we've got a guest, and she is a social media expert. Yes, woohoo! We are interviewing Claire Sakaoka. She is the owner of Engage 5W, which is a public relations, marketing, and digital media management agency. And we're super excited, Claire, to have you with us. Yes. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and very honored to be a guest on the Wobizzle podcast. And I can't wait to, to share what I do know and then also learn a few other um, little tools that I can add into my tool chest from, from you ladies. Well, I tell you what, we've got a lot to learn from you because this, we're actually the top this topic, the minimalist guide to managing your social media is kind of for us as much as it mm-hmm. is for anybody else. Definitely. You know, what's great about social media is I think it provides solopreneurs, it provides everyone who's in business, but particularly solopreneurs and freelancers, this unprecedented opportunity to promote themselves. I mean, you've never had the ability to do this in an affordable way. I mean, think back, Melissa, you've been freelancing for 20 plus years. You you never had, I mean, advertising was out of your reach. Being able oh to my reach gosh, people yeah. outside of your circle was difficult. Tell me how you were promoting yourself way back <laughs> in the day. Oh my gosh. In the olden days, I would have to pick up the phone and call somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I would call and I would be like, hey, who's handling your overflow? Or do you need, you know, I'd pitch myself. I had my elevator speech. I'd pitch myself and I'd just sweat. Oh my gosh, I'd be so nervous. And... <laughs> You know, because it was like I was just auditioning over and over and over again. Sure. I didn't know I was auditioning. I would just call and yeah. I would say, here's who, you know, here's who I am. Here's what I do. Can I send you a portfolio? And then in the olden, olden days, I would have to put that on a disc and put it in the mail. Oh, or print it out. Yeah. You know, even like if you're, yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, that was, that dates me. And then when I could email it, you know, I just do the dial up, start to load the dishwasher or whatever and, and do it that way. But there was no way to, con- you know, I remember I used to get this giant book every year called The Writer's Market and it was put out by Writer's Digest. I remember that book, yes. Yeah. And that's how you got contact info. You couldn't just Google whoever you wanted and find out who you wanted to talk to. So I mean, the advent of social media and just the ability to track people down that you want to connect with is just wonderful. Well, and that that's funny. You mentioned like the portfolio, t- sending it out on disc. I have a friend who's a graphic designer who's been doing it for a number of years. And she sent a portfolio. She dropped one by physically. This has been, I don't know, before social media, before right. digital, before you could just- in the olden days. Yeah. And she had dropped uh 
portfolio off at a potential client, she went to pick it back up. And there was like chocolate smears on some of the pages, (laughs) like the person had been eating cake or something (laughs) while they were looking at it. And it was devastating. It was devastating. (laughs) She was just like, what the? (laughs) So, so things have changed. Thank goodness. And, and also even just back then, like you would never even be able to advertise, you know, that would be out of reach. They tell the print. You would have to to advertise in the newspaper. Yeah, it would have been very expensive, very cost prohibitive. And even just that, you know, you can make phone calls for sure. But sending out letters or trying to reach out beyond your local area, beyond your network, would have been really challenging and expensive. You know, you had to spend a lot of money sending letters out. I often did send letters before I'd call. That was usually step one. If it was a cold, cold contact, I'd send them a letter, then I'd follow up with a call. What an odd thing. What an odd way of doing business now. Oh, it was can- so slow moving to think back to, on that. You know, <laughs> you, you send a letter and it goes, the horses pick it up and they take it, you know, <laughs> and then you have to wait, you know, 10 days or whatever, because you hope somebody got the letter, maybe read it. Like the Pony Express. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you don't want to wait too long because you don't want them to forget that they read it. Yeah. So and it's kind it, of that it, sweet spot. And did it go to the right person? All of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So were they on vacation? What if they were on maternity leave? Oh my God. You know, did they read it? You know, you, <laughs> right. know. Yeah, you have no idea. So you no know way to measure the effectiveness of that. No, so, I mean, I managed to build a career, but it was, it was definitely different than getting on someone's LinkedIn profile and messaging them, you know, yeah. as, as good as it is now to have these things at our fingertips and, and be able to reach a wider audience and promote ourselves and our services. I mean, the downside is that it's still a time suck mm-hmm. and it can be, emotionally draining. I know I, I struggle with that. When I get onto social media, I get stuck in the doom scroll and forget <laughs> why, forget why I'm there. I actually yeah. showed up to promote, you know, to update my business page, but, but, and then just, it's one more thing. So if you're trying to handle your client load, you're balancing a lot of other projects, it's just one more thing that you have to commit time to. And I know Claire, we hear from people all the time, like kind of the big struggles they have are, how how do I find time for this? And what on earth am I going to say? Mm-hmm. Once? What what are some strategies for finding the time? Like how much time? Maybe the first question is how much time do I need to spend on social media to promote my business? I would say for a minimalist, if you are just wanting to dip your toe in the water, or maybe you just want to um, have a presence out there that you can start to grow. I would say anywhere between 20 minutes to an hour and a half a week is mm-hmm. is realistic. Mm-hmm. And you could actually start to make a dent in what I call the social media land of, of starting to create a brand for yourself online. And if you, because it, just like with anything else, the building blocks, if you put an hour and a half in a week, before you know it, you have your 40 hours under your belt and maybe 300 followers in. And then you actually have an audience to talk to. Right. How is that? How's that time best spent? So 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, yeah, 20 minutes. That's easy. You get to an hour and a half and people might be thinking, I don't know if I've got that time. So how do I know that 
I'm using that time, if I'm going to block an hour and a half out of my schedule, how do I know that I'm using it in the best way possible to promote myself and and to get the most return, I guess, on my investment? Break it up into little bits at first, I would say, you know, I guess backing up from that, that question of how much time per week, before you do get started on social media, you may spend a little bit more time getting yourself set up on whatever social media platform you decide to, to use. But once you are set up and you have your own sort of framework in place, and what I mean by that, it sounds fancy, but really it's just going in and whether it be creating your LinkedIn profile or creating your Facebook page. And notice I'm saying the word or you don't need to be and 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 you one of any one of those, depending on your audience will do and do nicely. And so once you get the setup there, the, the time that you are breaking up into to manageable pieces will be spent on either creating a post. And I don't mean you have to send out four posts a day, maybe a couple of posts a week. And then also the, the remainder of that time would be to go out and see who, if anyone, is responding to the posts that you're creating. And then uh, kind of taking note of who is responding and Maybe not even while you are working on that platform are you thinking about this, but just take note of that because those are the people that could be your potential audience moving forward. And if they're not, then you probably do need to think about if that's the right platform and switch over to a different platform that may be a better place for you. How much of that time should you spend interacting as your profile? I know that that's a big deal too. I mean, how much time do you want to spend liking, commenting, sharing, interacting, and just kind of putting that energy out there? Um, you know, it's you really learn a lot, and you actually can get a little bit um, into that that mode of of really liking, sharing, and commenting as your profile, and it varies too. You know, say if it's a Facebook page, I don't spend as much time necessarily as the Facebook page going out there liking and all of that. I may go over and become my, you know, who I am, use my actual Facebook profile and let people know that I am Engage5W and Engage5W is me. And then over time, people relate better. Well, not over time. In fact, people relate better to people. And so because of that, you, you, you do have to have a balance. So that is a really great question. Now on LinkedIn, you definitely can be yourself all of the time, even if you do have a company page and you can use your company page updates to strengthen your posts as a person because LinkedIn, you are your brand right? because of the way the personal profiles are set up. Well, and I remember, Michelle, you had said in a previous podcast, the five for five or whatever on LinkedIn, like Mm -hmm. spend five minutes a day doing five things or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I do try to do that. Like I fail sometimes because I need to learn from you, Claire. But every time I do get on LinkedIn, I'm like, one, two, three, four, five. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I hear this Sesame Street counting, too. I don't ever count like a normal person. It's, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, (laughs) twelve. Yeah, you be the count, <laughs> right. Claire? Well, I don't. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was just so you threw out. Um, you're throwing out kind of Facebook and LinkedIn as options. There seems to be a new social media platform every six hours that 
I feel like I need to be, I need to know about, or I need to be on, but it sounds like you're saying, no, go, go where you're going to have the most impact. How do you determine that? How do I know where I should be active? Step one is to know who your audience is. And that's not always an easy question to answer. And that's why sometimes it, when I mentioned that sometimes it takes more time on the outset to figure that out, that's what I'm really referring to is that if, if you don't know who your audience is, then you may experiment with a couple of these social media platforms until you find the right one. But if you are a person that, that you know exactly who your audience is, then the question really becomes which of these platforms caters to that audience. Uh, for example, Facebook is more retail consumer facing, typically um, something that you have some sort of tangible product to sell. It's much more difficult. Uh, I would say for Engage 5W, Facebook is not my place because I'm, I'm working with individuals that are in business. I'm working with companies that are in business typically. And so for me, Facebook is not it. But if you are a retail store and you have products that you're selling, that would be an appropriate place for you. There are very visual platforms, as we all know, uh, Instagram and um, Pinterest, which is actually a fairly old platform now. Pinterest has been around a long while. And some people all but forget about Pinterest, but it rates very highly in Google. So if you have a brand that has something that translates well to photos, whether it be actual, you know, if you're a photographer or maybe if you are, uh, you know, a meal preparer, maybe you're a fitness guru that does meal prep, a place like Pinterest would be a great place for you because so many people still use Pinterest for ideas. And so you really have to think about who it is you're talking to and how they're using the social media platform. I have noticed over the years, I know when social media platforms first started emerging and, and companies small and large were putting all of the icons on their website, you can find us here, there and everywhere. I've seemed to be noticing a trend where people are scaling back on that. And so I'm seeing places, even larger brands, maybe they're only on Facebook and Instagram or does anybody use Twitter anymore? <laughs> I mean, I know people do, but do brands use it? Because I see, I feel like it's really difficult to I to engage with people. It seems like it seems like Twitter has really kind of found a niche, maybe on that. Here's what's happening now type of track. Mm-hmm. Like, is it how easy is it for a small company to engage with an audience on Twitter? Not easy. I, I will say it's it's not on my top three list of best places for the social media minimalist, simply because mm-hmm. of all the things you're talking about. It's it's very populated. It's very busy, as many social media platforms are, but they are talking at each other. And so unless you have mm-hmm. the time to build up a following and the time to go out and really converse individually with mm-hmm. these people, it won't really benefit your brand. And I would say that that what I use with with a lot of my clients that that they want to have a Twitter presence, I will have that set up to where their blog posts to Twitter. And so it really oh it's I'm using it as a search engine marketing tool to drive traffic to their website, not so that they spend hours and hours out there trying to communicate with people. 
I'm more laying breadcrumbs to lead people back to where they can actually potentially purchase something or interact. Let me ask you this. Speaking of Twitter and just any of the platforms, I've ha- I've heard that it's good to have a presence, like even if it's not an active presence, because so many millennials, you know, and younger look to your social media platforms before they look at your website. Do you think it's important, even if Twitter isn't your bag, if you're a minimalist, minimalist to do something like direct people back to your blog or to duplicate posts or anything like that? Like what kind of a role? Do you think overall presence plays? I think it's a good idea. And that that also goes back to that setup time. You'll anticipate having something set up initially, um, you know, put a few hours to that so that you can set up something that, that creates an auto post to Twitter so that you are driving people back to a, a platform where you you are present. And just knowing that you don't even really have to touch Twitter at that point. Right. And so I do. And I think that's a good idea. And so if you were to go, you know, with that type of um, roadmap to creating social media platforms, while LinkedIn might be your platform where you really gain traction and engage with the right audience, you might have a shell of a Facebook profile there because then you can direct people over to your LinkedIn profile from there. And then Twitter, you could direct people to uh, following with this example back to that LinkedIn profile, just so that you're you are aware of where you want to drive people, where you want to end up. And that should be wherever you will be able to respond. But that doesn't mean you have to be everywhere. Just have it set up the right way. Okay. so if you have if you have a Twitter account, but you're really not focused on it, it's still important that. I mean, there needs to be some level of consistency, right? You can't just have a Twitter account and then never post because then people will think maybe, maybe they're out of business or like, like how important is it? I guess what's the level of activity that you need at that bare minimal level to, so people don't think you're out of business. <laughs> That's a great, great question. You the country or a wonderful question. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really, it depends on what, what your business is. And I know that's kind of not a fair answer, but it, it does. Uh, what I would say is that if if you are a business where you run specials, for example, if you have a special going, you want to be sure that you do put that out on all of your mediums so that, that you look current and so that you potentially might catch a customer in there. If you're someone that's more of a a B2B facing, I would say if you can get it set up with, if you do have a website, if you can, and I know it's possible, but if you can go out and and you can find your tech guru or get your website person on this, but have them set it up to where you don't actually have to go out and touch your Facebook profile, but that when you post a blog, it sends your blog to Facebook and, and it looks nice when that's done. It doesn't look you know, it, it makes you at least appear present when you do that. And it's, it's a huge time saver too. you know, if you're able to, when you're going, going in there to post your blog or sending it to your website person to post your blog, then they can hit a toggle switch. They can get that information shifted over automatically so that it goes and you don't have to worry about it so much. But it is important to at least if you do have a platform out there to have at least I would say at minimum a couple posts a month and I'm being generous there. Mm-hmm. 
but it's, it's when you go out to a Facebook page and you see that they haven't posted in two years, at least when I do, and I think, Oh wow, they're really not out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's retired. (laughs) She's retired. Yeah. Or maybe they're out of business. (laughs) Right. Do you, do you think that there's any, is there any merit to, let's just say somebody's listening to this and they're like, Oh, I'm really, I am B2B. I'm my business is B2B, but I have this Facebook page that I never have time to post to. I, it sounds like I need to be posting to LinkedIn. Is there any value or merit to unplugging, just turning off that Facebook page? If your audience really truly isn't there to try to, try to minimize the number of outlets that you have to manage. There, I have a, uh... Pros and cons that one of the benefits I would say, if you do decide to do that would be to make a few posts over the course of a couple of months that informs that audience on Facebook that you're moving your, your efforts over to LinkedIn and you hope to see them over there, whether it be on your company page or to connect with you individually. And that would be, that would be the ideal scenario is if you could get that audience to move over the, the one primary Con, um, con or just kind of a point of that may be important is that Facebook is something that people use as a search engine sometimes. And so I don't know that I would move the audience entirely over, or maybe that you move the, I misspoke, you move the audience over, but you don't delete the page. You mm-hmm. perhaps create a post that you pin to the top that says, Hey, we're over on LinkedIn now. Mm-hmm. And you just keep your, your information, uh, the pertinent information about the your, your phone number, where you are, all of that stuff there. So it's more of a directory listing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So for B2B, like if you had to say, like, because we, we may have some members of our audience who don't know, may, may not know exactly where their audiences are, and don't have time to do some deep research. Like, let's just say I'm a nutritionist. Where's, you know, I'm consumer facing. What would be your recommendation of the two platforms, two or three platforms that I should have a presence on? Consumer facing, I would say Facebook, Instagram, maybe Pinterest. Okay. And you can link your Instagram to your Facebook so if you wanted to start creating your posts through Instagram, one thing you can do is have a double post to your Facebook. And that's mm-hmm. pretty handy. Although I would be careful with that because Instagram is so persnickety about links. And so you mm-hmm. can miss out on being able to link back to your website. But I would say for consumer facing, definitely Facebook, most likely Instagram and maybe Pinterest. I would, yeah, that would say those are the three solid ones. And so then what if I'm, I'm business to business. Where should I be? I would say 150% LinkedIn. You should be busting a move out there on LinkedIn, connecting like a superwoman that you are and going out there strategically using LinkedIn as a database and making those invitations. And I don't mean those cold call like email things that they offer. I mean, just connect. Mm-hmm. Because realizing that every time someone accepts your invitation to connect on LinkedIn, anytime you post, they will have the potential to see what it is that you're up to. And then also with each person that you connect to on LinkedIn, you are one step away from being connected to everyone they are connected to. Mm-hmm. It's the modern day six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> 
dated myself by saying that. <laughs> so I've been on LinkedIn a long time since pretty much it started. And the early years, it was kind of a place to store your resume. Uh, and you connected to people that you knew. And you really didn't accept invitations from other people. And I know that a lot of people I've worked with over the years have been stuck kind of in that mindset. I also know that I get on a daily basis connections, connection requests from what are probably spammers <laughs> and people that I have that I don't know. Like, do you have any recommendations on growing that? growing your network with people that you don't necessarily know in a way that's safe and you're not, you know, you're not you connecting with, with yeah, people who are going to spam you. Sometimes it's a little hard as a consultant to know and look into my crystal ball into my future of, of if someone that I am con contemplating, whether I hit that accept button or not, if they're ever going to be a potential client, because I do, social media marketing and digital marketing and who doesn't need that. Right. So, I mean, so I do have some, some troubles to determining that one thing that I, I do take note of is do I have any shared connections with them? So is there sort of a safety bubble around who it is that, that we may have in common? And I don't necessarily go so far as to check their references. I don't call up their shared connections, but I do kind of go and look at their profile and try to determine if, if this is someone that, is uh, just interested in connecting with me for who I am, or if there's this is someone that they're going to reach out to me proactively trying to sell me life insurance, which is fair. I mean, everybody needs life insurance. But um, so I try to just use my best judgment. And something to note, and I, I'm not sure a lot of people realize this with LinkedIn, is that you can ignore those invitations and not offend anyone because LinkedIn doesn't notify them when they're ignored. Mm, okay. Good so you can feel free to clean up that list in there so you don't have that sitting there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really, and should that person ever come back upon your profile, odds are good they'll have forgotten they invited you. So you may get another invite request three months down the road, but again, mm -hmm. it's okay. How do you come up with content ideas? I come up with content ideas a couple of ways. One of the ways and the easiest way, especially for someone that's just has a couple of minutes to spare would be to, if you have a strong network, and that's another reason to build up your network with people that maybe would serve as uh, mentors to you or someone that you could um, identify with professionally, is that when you scroll through your newsfeed, they probably have created that content for you. And a simple like within LinkedIn generates what LinkedIn calls an activity notification. And it will then show up within all of your connections newsfeed almost as good as if you had posted it yourself. And really? So, yeah. I did not know that. Literally. Either. Wow. Like, my five things are cool now. Yes. So, yes. so yeah, you right. could just hit, you could just hit a thumbs up and then everybody sees that you, they, Hey, I'm comment, on the same thing. Comments are, are the same way. So it up. helps, it helps right. you. And it also helps the person's post that you're liking because it moves them up in the algorithm too. Doesn't it? Exactly. Nice. And, Win win. Yes, it's a win win. And something to be aware of as you are clicking that like button that you want to be associated with that person. If it's someone that's, you know, we've all been in the, the whole media frenzy lately. If it's something you don't necessarily want everyone in your connection audience to note that you are liking that, don't like it. So on the flip side, be cognizant of what it is you are liking because it will be seen. Mm hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Good to and know. Yes, very good. But to it's know. a quick thing. You can quickly do that. Um, so that's one one way to really boost your appearance out there on LinkedIn without having to do much of anything except click your little finger button on the on the like. Um, is the other thing is if you set up something called Google Alerts. And this is something more if you want to be able to create a post that someone else hasn't posted before. Google likes Google likes <laughs> Google <laughs> alerts will create um, keyword notifications mm-hmm. that will email you a list of recent articles, blogs, news stories alike that contain that phrase. And so, depending on what it is uh, that you are marketing the subject you would put that in there and sort through these. And this is where uh, I wouldn't create too many of them. Otherwise you will be spending a lot of time sorting through these alerts. Right. But one good one could be gold. And maybe you just create a folder in your email inbox and you look at it once a week. And it's not like you have to look at all the alerts. Just look at one. When you find something worth posting, copy and paste the URL into, we'll just use LinkedIn again as an example, into LinkedIn and with a URL, we'll create a nice little preview of the article below and you can add your comment and you're good to go. So you're, like you're talking, you know, maybe from start to finish with that. If you even have trouble finding an article, it might take a total of 10 minutes. I've and used Google it. alerts for my clients, but I've never thought about using them for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I subscribe to a couple of news, their newsletters from industry uh, gurus and they have a ton of, you know, there's usually like six or seven different articles from around the web in a certain industry. Mm-hmm. And I could be using those. I could be pulling things, information out of those that are, that are, would be relevant to my audience. I never thought about that, that either. So great, great way. So rather than just be searching Google every day, trying to figure out right. what on earth to post there are, places out there that are already aggregating content or Google will aggregate it for you. It sounds like send it right to your inbox. It it makes you look super smart. Yeah. (laughs) I like to look super smart. You know, that's the way we like our our communication is kind of in theme with what we're talking about for, for the, the potential clients or the audience. We're trying to give them the message right where they are at. Well, we do the same thing. We just create those alerts and have it come to where we are. Mm -hmm. Yes, you don't have to create the wheel. You just have to corral the cats. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. I love that. I like it. Tell me what, as as an expert in the field, tell me what you think the value is. Somebody may be like, yeah, well, I can do all this, but what's my return on my investment? What's the value of having, putting stuff out there, uh, sharing other articles of interest, et cetera? What's the value to to me when I do that? There's a a couple of, key ways that it benefits you and some the long game, I would say, and I say long game because if you go and start thinking that you're going to use social media marketing because you want to have 10 customers buy your latest widget, that may work, but I wouldn't necessarily go into it with that being your primary goal. I would say realistically looking at using social media Marketing would be to one, establish your credibility in the space that you're in and doing that by doing the things that we're talking about, creating a, a profile that, that says 
here's who I am. Here's what I've done. This is what I do. This is who I uh, support. These are the kinds of posts that I'm putting out, which implies that you also are knowledgeable on those topics by correlation. That helps build your credibility and your brand. The, the second thing that you can really use social media marketing for is to drive traffic to your website. And so when we as marketers often talk about this 80-20 rule when it comes to social media and what that is, is that 80% of the posts that you put out should be uh, kind of patting someone else's article on the back, um, promoting someone else's type of content. That doesn't mean that it can't still be boosting your presence online because it absolutely is. But then it leaves that 20%, which is actually quite a lot. So if you're putting out oh, you know, three or four posts a a week, at least one of those can be directly promotional. And when I say directly promotional, it can be, say, click here to buy this. But I very often mean it could be a blog article or something coming out of your website that is driving traffic back to your website. Mm -hmm. Because every time you drive traffic back to your website, there is a chance that you will convert that person into a paying customer, which then there is a direct ROI. Right. And that's the ultimate goal. You want to capture the person. Yes. And the other goal with social media or the other side effects, it's not really a goal, but it happens, is that when you create this persona of yourself and your company out there, while, you know, 80% of the time, we'll say, let's go with 80% again, you may not have a customer that day, but if you are consistently putting articles out there of interest, you become the person they go to when they do have a problem. Well, and I know someone who does that so well, and she's an independent, she's a, she's a realtor and she is the most, she doesn't have a business. Well, I think she does have a business page, but she friends anybody and everybody on her personal page and she lives her life out loud. I mean, she is hilarious and she shares everything from cat puke to falling down, you know, at a listing or whatever. I mean, she just shares blow, blow by blow <laughs> stuff. But she's so warm and so genuine that people just glom onto her. And so, you know, her 5,000 local friends, she's probably the first realtor who pops into their mind. And it doesn't look like she's marketing herself because she does it so well. Authentically. I mean, yeah. Oh, Sounds man. like she's following that 80-20 rule for sure. Yeah, she's so. good. I've got a question for you. Okay, so people have found their channel. They know where they're going to post. They found their content. What posting platforms do you recommend for somebody who's new at this? I mean, I know that there's Hootsuite and Buffer and, you know, there's so many, but do you have a favorite or one that you would recommend with a free version for someone to try out for their own personal use or do you post direct? It. I would say for a minimalist, it would be ideal to set it up to where you don't have to use a dashboard simply okay. because it does take away it, by putting a dashboard in place. It, it can be very convenient, but it also can be very intimidating if it's okay. something that you just don't want to take on. So in that case, I would say if you've identified that LinkedIn's your platform, use LinkedIn just directly. Okay. Uh, And then if you decide Facebook is your platform, Facebook actually does allow you to schedule and Mm -hmm. you can get something scheduled out there on Facebook. If say you're, you are ambitious and you say, I want to have a presence on the, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram, 
and Twitter, then I would look at dashboards. And one of the easier dashboards, and I think lower cost ones too, is is Hootsuite. Is a I mean, I'm a Hootsuite fan. Yeah, it's a grandfather package, and I'm grandfathered in, and I have like the whole premium thing for. I'm gonna have to pass it on to my children. Like it's a good deal. That's good. So everyone needs to hit Melissa up and see if she can refer <laughs> you over and maybe she'll get some more credit for that. So. And they, let me, let me add who's is not a sponsor of this podcast. However, if they chose to be, we would be more than happy to have you on board. Very Absolutely. So, yeah. So if you, so it sounds like if you're, if you're trying to be a minimalist and you're only working with one or two platforms, try to post direct. If you decide you want to take on more, then go to one of these scheduling uh, providers. There's a ton of them out there. And exactly. yeah. and they uh, most of them do offer free trials. So you can um, seven days, 14 days, sometimes 30 days free trials. So you can get used to it and decide if it's, if it's what you want. Another thing to mention, and this is more a little bit still again on the fancier side of things. If you want to, if you're a visual person and, and like to do things that are a little bit crafty, something that's handy at putting some of those cool texts or different badges over the top of photos is Canva. I would say if you, if you want to venture out and start using a platform like Canva to create some graphics for for your company too, without having to have an advanced degree in in graphic design. I'm terrible at design, but I love Canva. Like I can make it happen with Canva. Um, Yeah. It really kind of has opened that up. Uh, for especially the demand, we don't want to take take any jobs away from professional graphic designers, but the demand for people to produce things is so much higher than it ever was uh, to be pushing out, uh, you know, graphics on your social media on a on a daily basis, a weekly basis, or even a couple times a day for some brands. It just has made it a little easier for people to do do some of that themselves and save mm-hmm. the save the professional work for the things that really matter. You know your right. logos and your your big brand uh, branding types of graphics. But well, and it's a great way for the solopreneur to give themselves a little bit of polish on a on a budget. You know, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to hire a graphic designer, like you said, for a little thing like that. You want those for the big projects, the web design, the whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it definitely has. So, I know we're bouncing around just a little bit, but I wanted to get back to that whole idea of original content. So, we talked about, you know, X number of, you know, three or four times a week be posting stuff and it can be links to other people's content. But if you're going to do your own content, which you should consider doing, what, how, how do you come up with ideas? How, say I'm a graphic designer. How do I come up with ideas on, on what to post out there that's original? Think about what questions you get frequently from, from your customers. And it doesn't, and that's the thing to keep in mind too, is that it doesn't have to be something earth-shakingly new because mm-hmm. that's that's really not likely to happen. And if it does, fantastic. Write a book about it. But more, more likely than not, it's going to be your take on an old topic. It, so the way, and that's actually the great thing about social media and the way that we are consuming media today is that we don't expect someone to have a different, um, to come up with this brand new concept. They want to know how you do it because you are the professional and in this like case, you're the graphic designer. Mm-hmm. And so write about something. Maybe your, your clients are always asking you, um, how do you reduce image quality without having Photoshop. And maybe there, you know, maybe you have a quick 
little life skill that you can pass along. And Mm -hmm. when I talk with clients about this, they think, well, but I want them to come to me for that. I don't want them to read the article and then do it because then that takes business away. And I understand that. And you might, there's going to be a small percent that will actually be very industrious and figure it out and do it. But more than likely, you'll have someone try it and think, oh, this is way too much, too hard. I'm going to contact that person who just wrote that article and have them just do it. You know, that's a really good point because I think people do worry about, because the whole idea is to give away some pro tips. Right. And people do worry about that. But you're right. I mean, the person that, okay, here's the thing. The person that's going to do it themselves, we're always planning on do it, doing mm-hmm. it themselves. They've been searching the web for days trying to figure out how to do this. And they're going, they're bound and determined to do it themselves. They were never going to be your client to begin with. There may be, there's a, a large chunk of people who will try it and be like, well, that took six hours. And I know it'll only take Claire 20 minutes. So I'm calling Claire. <laughs> and then there's going to be the other people who, who don't need, don't really need to know that right now, but you have planted a seed in their heads that you know how to do stuff like that. And so now when they do need something, they're not going to try it themselves. They're not going to try to dig up that post and figure it out. They're just going to call Claire. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what you want to have happen. And the other part of it is that, that you really do want to have that element of, I do want to help people. And so for the person that was never going to be your client and you help them, I've had people like that, that they've never become my client, but they've referred people to me. Right. And that's wonderful too. And so those people can be your friends. Yes. Those are the people that you never want as a client, but they respect you. Yeah. And they refer. That's absolutely right. And you, you do, you want them to start thinking of you and coming to you as the expert that you are. And that's something else that I talk a lot with clients about is that, Everyone is an expert in their own right, and they need to start thinking of themselves as an expert so that you can really assume that that content voice when you do decide to, to create an original piece of content. Right. And just own it. Own who you are. Maybe it's that you you sew fantastically beautiful curtains. Who can do that anyway? I mean, I certainly can't. Own it. Be proud. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what what we're hearing here is Claire has just made everybody an expert. If you're doing something professionally, she has just given you, she has empowered you to identify yourself as an expert. You need to think of yourself in that way and you need to present yourself in that way because you are. Well, and that's the thing too. I heard this years and years ago, fake it till you make it. And sometimes you might not feel like a professional, but if it's what you're doing and it's your side hustle or your new full-time gig, you are. And we learn as we go. And sometimes you have to fake it until you make it. And I faked it for years, you know, and of course I've done that, you know, in my dreams, like I'd never done anything like that before. And I'm Googling or in the olden days, I'm going to the library, like, what is this thing? (laughs) But, you know, fake it till you make it. You are an expert. You, you just have to, you just have to step in. Yes. Claire, what else do we need to know? Is there anything else we need to know to, to make it as a minimalist in the social media space. And we've talked about a lot of really great ideas and just to kind of circle back to the original thought of, I thought this was going to tell me, you know, I could do social media in five minutes flat. And I would say to recap that 
pick your social media platform and jump into it. And it doesn't mean you have to jump in for three hours a week, jump into it, maybe try an hour a week uh, to start with and see what you find there. See who you are meeting, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook or the types of posts you put out there. Just focus your efforts on, I would say, I challenge you to pick one platform initially and do it and do it well. Mm-hmm. And that may be all that you need. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound so daunting. It doesn't. It really doesn't. So there you have it. We have, uh, we have our marching orders. To, yeah, uh, to one find platform at a time. exactly one platform at a time. You don't, you have permission to not be everywhere. You have permission to not be posting 28 times a day. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a relief unless you're on Twitter and then you might want to step it up. Yeah, exactly. So Claire, thank you so much for being with us today. We really yeah. appreciate you and all of your advice. Thank you so much. And you can find Claire at uh, engage5w.com. That's engage5w.com. So if you have questions or you are in need of her services, we highly recommend her. Highly, highly. That's a bang up job for us. We really appreciate everything you're doing for us, Claire. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you all for listening. And we will catch you the next time around. Thanks. Thank you.